Hey, what's up, DBC fans? If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let us explain. Well, first of all, Freddie, the best part is it's free. There's nothing better than using a free, awesome service. To make the process simple and easy, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor helps people find your show by distributing the podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more platforms. Also, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. I like like money. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. We love using Anchor. It's a great platform that lets us hear from the fans and reaction theater with Anchor's Leave a Message feature. So when you create your account with Anchor, you can also utilize their feature and make your own podcast. TJ will uh, be your first guest. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M to get started. This is Door Bumper Clear, and I'm Jason Schultz. Brett and TJ are back from a wild Monday at Talladega and ready to discuss drivers going below the yellow line, contact between Logano and Bowman triggering the first big one, manufacturer drafting strategies, Ross Chastain's 2020 news, and plenty more. Ready, set, go. I'm TJ Majors. This is Brett Griffin. Get ready. Be ready. Be ready. Hey everybody, am I kicking this off or? Yeah, go for it. <laughs> I'm TJ Majors. It's part of the 22 Cup car. Had a 99 truck this weekend and uh, almost a full cast, I guess. Yeah, we're full, man. Brett Griffin, spotter for Clint Boyer. Got Ross Chastain this weekend at Kansas in the good old Xfinity Series. I'm holding the football from the ass-kicking chickens, the South Carolina Gamecocks, who upset the Georgia Bulldogs for all you barkers out there. I got out of my car at the game, and some little punk hung his head out the window, and he went, and I was like, man, I just got here, and these people are already barking at me. So I had to listen to this barking until the game started. And once the game started, 95,000 people have never been that quiet. Hmm. Well, the Bills won, too. Did they? Yeah, they beat. both celebrating. uh, Well, they beat uh, that bye. Over that guy. Oh, that's a tough team sometimes. <laughs> that's and a guaranteed I lost, win. So I'm going to stop talking. You that. lost? UCF. Well, your second husband won. Well, and my husband, I mean, he counts. He I the saw car. your husband at lunch today. You did. We With went to, we went to, I did. Yeah, I saw, guess who? I saw Christopher. <laughs> I saw Billy Boat and I saw Chad Boat. So I saw. That's full boat. That's a full boat, dog. (laughs) Uh, We were at Burrito Loco, which is a really small taco joint here in Mooresville. (laughs) And if you're ever here and go eat lunch there, everybody pretty much at lunch is in racing. A lot of Penske guys, a lot of uh, Rauchays guys. Um, Great place place to go in and get a burrito. Was was Motor with them? No. (laughs) No. Didn't have your, what's your dog's name? Jane or something? Susan? Susan wasn't there either. She's at no. home today. I, you know, Hannah was on here last week. I didn't think to give her crap about it, but her dog's name's Janet. I know. Who the f- names y'all's dogs? Those are like human. I mean, those are, are like cute. human names. You have to admit, like okay. Susan and Janet are great names. That's awful names for it dogs. It just makes me want them to play like those are real. Or that's like real human names. Like yeah, no, it's not a dog and name. Dog names yeah, too. Like, hey, no. hey, Bill, come here, <laughs> Bill. Eat, dra- What's eat wrong your, with that? Eat your food, Bill. <laughs> What's wrong with that? I mean, just animals. I aren't think my next dog, you know, I thought about this the other day. Like, what am I going to do when Cocky dies? Because Cocky's my Cocker Spaniel. I've had her 14 years. She's blind. She's deaf. She's got tumors all over her back. She's losing her hair. Like, bless her heart, she ain't going to be here much longer. I was thinking, man, my next dog, I might name it Edsel. What do you think about Edsel for a dog name? Edsel? Yeah, is that bad is or good? Is there a reason? That's really well, close to Well, obviously, I've made a very good living off of cars, and I've I've, I've enjoyed racing, being yeah. a part of racing cars. And, and you know, the I mean, I just thought Edsel would be a cool name. I like it. What it's you think? really close to Susan. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's, it, maybe I won't it's do better. that then. It's better because it's kind of, um, it's different. That's what I want. But, like, Susan, and that's like... Susan hey, is different. Uh, At the vet, they can, know who she is because no yeah. other dog is named Susan. Exactly. Of course not. Because <laughs> people name their dogs like after... Most Susans have two legs. Everyone yeah. remembers her name. Oh, like named after like flowers or superheroes oh or something. Gosh, she's the cutest. It's Rosie. Come here, Rose. It works. And of course, sorry, Jason, we totally forgot to introduce you, but no, hi, here. Jason. Hello. Thank you, Casey. 
Sorry, we start talking about the yeah. Gamecocks. I get it. Well, Jason, Jason's unlike Donor. Jason's allowed to talk in this one. So <laughs> yes, what Donor can't talk in another one anymore? I don't think so. He's not supposed to. What happened? I don't know. He was taking over. That's what he comes on our show and does. He won't hush. It's like shut up, Dillner. I know this he, isn't the yeah the Dillner bumper clear. <laughs> <laughs> he likes to talk. He does. He's gonna hate he this episode. Well, how was Talladega? I know you guys have probably a lot to share. Talk about anything? What do you want to talk about? Everything. Nothing. I saw one fan tweet that it was a WWE race because it was just crazy. And I'd agree with that. It was crazy. It was crazier than I thought it was going to be. I was watching all these people on the Twitter. You know, I guess Dale Jarrett and Dale Jr. and some guys made some comments on the broadcast about these alliances and how these OEMs are working together. And, you know, the funny thing is, a year ago going into this race, I think this was a race where, you know, TJ and I had meetings and we had plans and we had all that stuff. And we pretty much went down there and dominated the race. Well, a year later, I wasn't asked to come to one single meeting. I got one text right before the race started, and it's a miracle the text came through because cell service was so bad. Yeah. And it just said, hey, you guys race smart together. And it was within our organization, which is obviously just Stuart Haas Racing. So I wasn't privy to all of these meetings. Did you have any big meetings? No. 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 I, I, <clears throat> um, I didn't have any uh, – I'm not sure – you know, I didn't have any myself. I, I I know what I know what we're supposed to do. You know, I know, and it's all. This is no different. Like our, we didn't have strict orders. Like, do not get behind this guy. Or do not talk. If you're behind that guy, just pull out and go to the back. Like we didn't have anything like that. Or, um, you always look for your help, though. I will say, and you always you knew who you're, and it was established pretty early what the help was going to be. You know, um. You guys worked really well with us. Um, I, I thought I thought our organizations worked really good together. Um, I don't think uh, you looked for your help. You knew who the more dependable. You, if you didn't, you were going to get hung. You had to. The that other line that formed, if they had, if they could, if they could chew you up and spit you out, they were going to because they knew if they did that, they would separate you. That's what they did the last race there. So we kind of prevented that really well. Um, but it was. It was really racy that race. I mean, it was um, very racy. And the reason is, is because of this package. It's you can't you can try to control the race, and you can for a little while, but eventually one of the other lanes gets rolling, and you can't shut it down completely. So they end up getting there, and you, <laughs> you just hope you're kind of cycled back towards the front when it happens. There's just enough tandem racing to be able to pull that second line to make it come back and be competitive, like you said, get back up there, get beside the front row, take the lead, they get down. I mean, it it certainly was a big package. I think for me, you know, looking at Chevrolet, and that's what I know a lot of the fans were fussing about on Twitter, and they were like, man, you know, Chevrolet this, Chevrolet. Chevrolet was the last one to the party with a plan. You know, Toyota had a plan, Ford had a plan, then Toyota and Hendrick together had a plan, and that's when Chevrolet realized we got we got to get in the middle of this, and they did. Where I think they went wrong, though, within their own meeting is they said, hey, and, and look, we all need to have a strategy to pit because you don't want to pit by yourself. You want to pit with, with guys that you're around, and you want to be able to come off pit road and not lose a lot of time, right? And, and, and if the reality is if I know when TJ is pitting – or vice versa, there's a lot less likelihood that we see a wreck getting on pit road. When we see guys pitting and we're not aware at a plate track, we've seen some gigantic wrecks getting on pit road. So where I think these OEMs, the alliances that they're forming work, is for pit strategy and for ends of stages. Where I think they screwed up is they said in one of their meetings with their drivers and spotters, hey, you guys, all do this, all stay single file, all get to the front, and whenever the stage is about to end, let the 88-24-9 get up there and get all the points. Well, guess what? That's not really how it's going to happen because you can't you can't literally do that. Like it sounds like you can micromanage that process, but TJ will tell you there's a lot of factors and a lot of things going on. A lot of yellows can change the game. One restart, like it's impossible to micromanage that part of racing. I thought this was a year ago it was definitely easier, but the playing fields leveled out a lot more. Agreed. Um, you know, when you start with a new package and and uh, it, you know it was it was newer. Like last year, y'all dominated. Was it that this race y'all dominated? Yeah, yeah, and it was hard. And to you get guys a, helped us. Dominate. Well, it was a hard to get a run on you. Now, 
We we had probably the four fastest cars. But anybody could still you anybody could get run still. Like you could get a run. It wasn't like we were going to hold off the rest of the field riding single file. It wasn't going to happen. No. So the the playing field is way more level. Um, and I anticipate that to continue. So it's going to be hard. You can say, hey, you guys stay in line all day, but that ain't going to matter. No. The other lane's still going to roll. It is. And the cream still rises to the top at that point because it, it's so it's so racy that the good guys can still make moves when it comes down to it. The The good plate racers still found their way to the front of that field. Yep. And that's how that's how it was. And I, I thought the race was pretty exciting. Um, I thought it was good. I thought it was absolutely insane, and and I'll give you two reasons why I think it was insane. Casey, I don't know if you'll agree with me or not, since you're over there playing on your phone. I'm looking but, at an email. I'm but so here, excited. here's the thing: like, just because we're locked into the round of twelve, right. it doesn't mean that we're guaranteed to finish top twelve in points. We can, you know, Ryan Newman. My point is, Ryan Newman can still finish top ten in cup points, so he's still racing for a lot as far as his season goes, right? So so there's those guys that have a lot on the line. Obviously, you know, TJ, myself, all of the guys in the top 12, we all have a lot on the line. So everybody still has the, – the days of riding around single file at that place surely, surely seem like they're almost over because everybody still has so much to gain. Now, yes, after stage two ends and before that last pit window – there's not a lot for anybody to gain. So you're going to see guys ride and be smart there, which we saw yesterday. But there are three big pay windows. you got the end of stage one, the end of stage two. And realistically, when that last fuel window happens, that is the end of stage three. That, that's when it's going to all transpire to go out and win the race. So you got two really good things for fans there to keep it exciting, and, and the drivers still have a lot on the line. Yeah, it's I – mean, there's, there's, everybody's racing for something still. TJ, what about Joey wearing glasses on uh, for the race this weekend? Was that the first time he's ever done that? Uh, I believe so. I believe so. Um, I don't know. I guess he didn't want contacts. It was something, I think, uh, what, Kyle, his PR rep, he, like, tried on Kyle's glasses. It's like, I can see so much he, better. Yeah, and he's like, I'm going to wear this in Talladega because he'll be able to see further out than he normally can. And in Talladega, it's probably needed, obviously. But uh, that, that was what they said over the broadcast. Too bad it can't see out the left side. <laughs> yeah i'm not gonna lie i was dying laughing when i was listening to the broadcast and you were after clint spun and he was stuck and you were like no don't put him on the record just push him just push him and i was the whole time i'm thinking brett must be pacing up and down the top like i gotta tell you i was really 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 upset okay we have an official on the roof with us we wrecked going into turn three okay when we wreck, we go out of my sight. I know that I've wrecked. I know it was a single car spin. I never heard a spotter. And TJ will tell you, we hear NASCAR spotters. They have a spotter in every corner. They key up and say, spin in turn three. Okay. Then NASCAR addresses the spin and decide whether or not it warrants a yellow. I never heard them say that a car had spun. So I'm jumping up and down, screaming at the official that I'm wrecked and I'm in three and four. Will he please call it in? I'm stuck on the apron. The official did not call it in. So now I'm watching him not call it in. Okay, I can see him press his button on his headset and talk when he calls it in. He never calls it in. So by now, the leaders are all the way off of turn two. We're talking 30, 35 seconds. I've been around there stuck, wrecked. Nothing has happened. They finally throw a caution. I lose a lap. Well, then I lose another lap because they can't figure out how to get my car unstuck. That's the point of the day where my day was over. I literally had to ride around two laps down the rest of the day. There wasn't enough cautions to fall to get a lucky dog to get back to one down to race for a lucky dog. You knew the leaders weren't going to pit again, no waiver rounds. That was a really frustrating time for me as a spotter because I needed information relayed to the tower, and I don't think it ever got relayed. That was that was hard. But, yeah, when they show Clint on TV, you know, I, I was like – and he's spinning his wheels. I'm like, dude, stop. You're going to blow your motor up. Your, your wheels aren't touching your – you're physically stuck. So when the, the the safety workers finally got there, they couldn't hear what he was saying. So he had to. They were standing around looking at him, and he had to turn the car off. And he's like, "I'm stuck. Push me!" And tr- they tried to push him. Obviously, it didn't work. And then uh, the wrecker was smart enough to hook hook to the front right front wheel and just pull him off the banking. And then boom. But at that point, man, our our, our fate for the day was sealed. We just had to ride it out, and and it, it certainly didn't go our way from there. Yeah, that was a that was a unique way to get stuck and with the low bumpers on these things i can i can see how it would happen um that's definitely a 
just bad luck. <laughs> like at road courses, we run little hooks in the front of our cars because yeah. once NASCAR raises the hood on the car and hooks to the frame of your car, your day is over. Well, you're, you're immediately out. I believe that's optional. Well, even even at player tracks too, I believe it's optional. I'm, I could be way wrong on it. Which but at I, a road course, it would make sense because you could get stuck in the grass, stuck in a gravel out, trap. Yeah. You get pulled out, right? We certainly, I mean, if you had said, what are the odds you're going to get stuck today on the, on yeah. the banking, I would say none, right? How, how can that happen? It probably would have saved you one lap. You would have been one lap down probably. And then had a chance to do they'd what you came, did. They'd have came up there and hooked right up to that little eye in, in front of it and pulled it out. Yep. So I almost, the way this package is, I wouldn't, if it's legal or if it's something you can do, I wouldn't be ready to put one up yeah. there. On the broadcast, they did say, like, you that it's optional or no that if you're on the record then you're basically your day is done no matter what. If the hood goes up it's over. Yeah. 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 That was not expected so I I'd imagine at the time I couldn't believe we got freaking stuff It's actually pretty cool that they pulled you out like that because that could have if they put you on the hook you're done. Yeah you're you're way down. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know man like I said I mean crazy race great weekend a lot of fans were there weather was phenomenal obviously the rain sucked on Sunday but yesterday was cool so I, I I don't know how anybody could watch that race live or on television and not be very entertained. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it was interesting. Somebody tweeted, you know, could you imagine if this was actually a cutoff race for? I mean, it, it basically be, it basically it, it used to be when I was on Miller Coors. It basically like Brad, is though. Yeah, it, Brad. I remember one year at Brad needed to win, and, and he won. And didn't he? He, yeah, he ended up winning. Yeah. And I mean, I can't imagine this. Like the tensions yeah. would be so much higher. I, I mean, honestly, they're. We raced it like it was a cutoff race. Yep. I mean, we did. There wasn't any laying back. There wasn't any. We we tried to get maximum points all day long. So, all right. It was cool. Brendan gone, man. How about that guy? <laughs> yeah. I was, so I'm watching him go down the backstretch, and I look, and, and I said over Channel 1 when we were halfway down the backstretch, I was like, Brendan Gaughan's got to run right here. He's probably going to go up there and take the lead. Uh, he was getting a huge push. And I was two. like, I was yeah. like, oh, here you go. Well, I can tell you what was probably getting ready to happen was he was getting ready to get pushed up there, and then he was getting ready to go right to the back. Yeah, hmm. yeah. So, but yep. you know, good for him to come back. And I like watching Brendan gone. I like, I like his interviews. Um, his interview. I, I I swear I read one maybe today that his quote was, "You know, I'm good. I'm okay, Mom. I'm sorry." Uh, and then he's like, "They're like, you gonna run Daytona 500?" He's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna run Daytona 500. Sorry, Mom. Like, <laughs> like he's just funny. He's just a." He's a personality you need to keep. That, that's is. a guy that I. He's one of the guys, and I think I said it before that I never got to work with or be around much, and I wish I did. Yeah, when I watched him come out of trucks in the Cup, he went to Penske to drive the Kodak car, and he was a guy I really wanted to do well because he had a fun personality. You always like. I mean, sport needs personalities, right? I mean, yeah. you got a guy that is is born into a. A very wealthy family. Yeah. Very you know, colorful personality. Very colorful. Funny. I mean, he's a Las Vegas guy. Dad owns casinos. They own all the slot machines in the airport out there. You know, goes to Georgetown, play basketball, roommates with Allen Iverson or whatever he was there. I mean, he's, he's got a good little fun story. So, like like TJ said, he's a good personality. It's good to see him do well. Yeah. Uh, from a sponsor's standpoint, he's absolutely incredible. He will go above and beyond for anything you need, um, which is really cool. I know that's needed a lot yeah, in the sport. Yeah. So Yeah. He's mad when he gets mad yeah. he's very his interviews are great and when things are going good he and even when things go bad like when he gets caught up in that he's still got a great perspective on things so always positive yeah he's he's i like brennan cool so jason what are we going to bid on this week so we've got some cool new items on the table from pristine auction casey's ryan dungy signed photos over there she's probably excited about that and in front excited. of tj we have a mario andretti signed diecast that came last week that's pretty cool oh, we won that yeah, yeah that's pretty cool Hey, that might go missing. I know Who's I gonna like steal it. it? <laughs> Just Me. like uh, that <laughs> might this might be cut out by somebody. This clumps. I get football. the I get the Hellman's car. I get all these three cars. You can have the other one for your kids. I didn't spot that one. <laughs> <laughs> so today, TJ, this might be an interesting item for you. The Joey Logano 2019 Las Vegas Wind Sign Diecast, the race version, is only thirty five dollars right now. In oh Christine yeah, Oxford. let's do it. I'm gonna try to bid on that. See what we get. Okay, that'd be an awesome addition for the table. I'm in. Spot on, spot on. Spot on, spot off. Spot on, spot on. You like it, spot off. You don't like it, and you say why either way. First topic, below the yellow line rule. Sauter penalized on Saturday and Blaney not penalized Monday. Spot on, spot off. Brett. 
I don't know that I wanted to go first on this one. So I went back this morning. Jason was kind enough to send me the video, and I watched the truck penalty, and it made all the sense in the world as to why Sauter was black flagged. If the yellow rule, if the yellow line is out of bounds, it's out of bounds, and he clearly forced the guy below there. I don't care if it's one tire, two tires, three tires, or four tires. Out of bounds is out of bounds, Okay. Then I watched the replay of Ryan Blaney, which I got to see live, but nonetheless, it's hard to keep up with all that when you're working and trying to watch. And Ryan Blaney, without a doubt, went below the yellow line. And and the way that I understand the rule is you can't go below the yellow line to advance your position. That's a penalty. Well, I think he took the lead. The other way the rule is interpreted is you can't force the guy below the yellow line. If you do that, you may be penalized. Ryan Blaney went below the yellow line. Was he forced or was he not forced? Because to me, somebody was supposed to be penalized there. It's either Blaney for going below it and improving, or it's Newman for running him down there. If the yellow line is out of bounds, in any other sport, the out-of-bounds line is the out-of-bounds line. If I hit a ball, if my little boy hits a ball tonight at baseball, we got a game tonight, we're in the playoffs. If he hits the ball on the right-hand side of the line that goes to first base, it's a foul. If he hits the ball on the left-hand side, it's fine. So that's really weird, man. Like you, this is where fans get upset because it's a discretionary call. It's not an easy call to make. You got a playoff guy that won the race. You got a non-playoff guy who, like we said, has a lot to gain, can still finish top ten in points. But man, that thing's out of bounds. If it's out of bounds, it's out of bounds. If we it, with one to go, do away with the damn rule. You know what I mean? If they tear up twenty cars, they tear up twenty cars. But I can see why fans were upset. I don't. I don't. I mean, I, I do have a dog in the fight. Ryan Blaney winning the race yesterday hurt my chances of advancing into the round of eight. Um, but as a fan, I understand why people are upset. CJ, what do you think? Uh, I think the difference to me is, I think each one of them when they started going low, there was a car inside of them or a truck inside of them. The fifty-one was passing. Um, what's Sauter's number? Thirteen. Okay, fifty-one's passing to thirteen. 13 just keeps going left like he's not like and the 51 ends up lifting the 51 lifts because he gets passed by another car so he lifts and the 13 just keeps on going down there all four on the flat i mean all four like we were like we used to qualify all four on the flat and um and then comes back up late like he's basically saying i'm all in on this you're not passing me and and keeps on going I watched um I watched the replay and I watched it live too and I saw the six start to come down on Blaney and Blaney wasn't below the line yet. Um to me, Ryan ran Blaney as low as he could and then Blaney gave as much as he could without spinning him out, and then they both went back up. So But he went below the yellow line. He was a half a car. But I mean that, the that's reason, below it. The reason I say he was forced there, Johnny wasn't forced there. Johnny went down there by himself. Ryan was forced there. And if Ryan was forced there... It, so the, only, the difference is the cars then, are then different. If Ryan was forced there, then Ryan Newman should be put out. He yeah, should that's, not have finished where well, he yeah, finished. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a different so, story. But I mean, I, something I think... Something caused it. Meaning there should have been a penalty no matter whether it be Ryan Newman or Ryan Blaney, right? Is that what you're that's, saying? If out of bounds is out of bounds, and if that guy went below the yellow line, whether it was his accord or not his accord, I think because there's a call to be made there. I don't think there's a call to be made. I think it's and it's it stinks because it's not black or white. Because to me, these guys are racing really hard. They both he tried to pinch him. This is where fans get upset though because it's a discretionary well, but, call, and they're going to get upset no matter what. Anyway, whether they black flag one or the other, they're still going to be upset fans. I've noticed that no matter what. Well, of course they are. I mean, you're for your team so, against your team. These two guys the were racing back to the line, realized they ran out of room, corrected it, and raced side by side across the line for the win. I mean, to me, when I watched Johnny, Johnny basically slammed the door and kept going and was like, nobody's passing me. And Johnny didn't have anybody outside of him. Johnny had no reason to keep on going down there. No reason to it. Why? Why, why to keep going? I mean, who, the guy below it. Yeah, but I mean, why did, why did he keep going? You know what I mean? The right. 51 already lifted. Why did he keep going down there? To me, Blaney went down until he realized, and then Ryan moved back up, and he moved right back up. I mean, they were, you know, they were like, they were hooked with each other. So... Yeah. Um, to me, two guys realize, and I don't want to see somebody get turned right there because I know where they end up. And I don't want to put the drivers in a situation where they put Brad in the one time. They took a win away from Regan because he got ran down there and stayed there and crossed the line first, and they took the win away. 
Um, next time we had that scenario, the guy doesn't go down there, and a the guy ends up almost in the stands. And I don't, I don't want anybody that goes to that racetrack to be in a situation like that because I saw two guys race for the win, realize they were about to get in trouble, correct it, and race across the line side by side. So that's that's the way I saw it. What the other one I saw a guy go down there and just basically say, "I don't care, I'm going here." See, to me, I see it completely different. I see it as they both committed penalties. The other one was just a more of a personal foul. Like Johnny's was way over the top. The other one was still if they, if that is an invisible plane that is the yellow line rule, when you break it, that's an out of bounds call. Somebody has to make the call. Now, if you don't improve your position or whatever, it's a completely different deal. But this guy won the race by doing that. But he also did Newman flip And if Newman pushed him down there, then Newman's got to be kicked out. Well, then that's – I don't think you can blame the guy on the inside that it gets shoved down there because all he's doing is preventing a serious injury possibly. I don't want to see a wreck either. I, but to so, me, some, somebody's to blame for the picture that I saw. If you blame the guy in the bottom, we're going to start flipping cars again. Of course you are. And I don't, I don't want to see that. I, wanna, I saw two guys adjust to it, give it back. One, you know what I mean? You can't give it back. Come to the checker. Well, I mean – There ain't no such thing. Uh, you know what I mean. They 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 corrected it without one going way out of bounds. I mean, they're racing 200 mile an hour here, um, and they came across the line. I, I I don't. I think it's a no call. I agree with it. I mean, it was a great race across. No matter which one of them wins. I mean, to me, it was uh, two guys getting all they could get, and um, without being blatant about it, without right. being blatant. Um, the other one they took away. The guy clearly went all four down there and didn't even need to. Right. Both of them didn't. The two times they took it away, the guy didn't need to go there. Who was the other kid? What's his name? Haley? Justin. They yeah. took it away. He didn't need to go down there. Right. Johnny did not need to go down there. Yeah. Did Blaney? Absolutely. If he doesn't, he hooks Ryan. You know, but they didn't go. They didn't commit like we're racing all the way to the grass here. You know, and I, I, I think it was a good race. It was a great race. It was a yeah. great ending. The fact that we're still talking about it makes it a good one. Yeah. Next topic, TJ, this one is definitely for you. I didn't see it. <laughs> Contact between Joey's new glasses must not have worked. He didn't yeah. see it either. <laughs> Contact see this between paper. Alex Bowman and Joey Logano triggers the first big one. Spot on, spot off. TJ. Uh spot off. I mean, you don't like to see it. You don't want to see the big one. Nobody wants to see it. I thought the racing was man, it was intense at that point. It was it was coming out of the end of the stage. It was intense. There was cars getting big runs. We were linked up with you. We had Brad behind you and um Shoot, we were both going to be, and we were going to be racing at you know, that stage too. For sure. I, I mean, we're going to be racing. That's what the, that's what the fans are there to see. Um, but when three cars are lined up bumper to bumper in your mirror, and they're clear, and there's nobody inside of them to disturb their, you know, getting their their quarter panels or their doors or anything, and slow that line down and pull you apart, you are flying. Like you are, you're hauling. You can't block that run. Like you can't block it you, when that's happening. The best thing you can do is maybe stay up to the outside, let them get on the inside, or like or like what uh, Ryan did at the end of the race, stay on the bottom, and when they get beside you, try to pull them apart. Get up there in their doors. Try to pull them apart. That's the chess match that goes on here. You can't be swerving. You can't swerve. And I, I've told Joey before when I've seen runs coming, I say, hey, they're three back. There's three of them that's not blockable. Like, we can't block this run. Because if you do, two things are going to happen. You're either going to get – this is what – um, this goes back to like what Brad was saying. When you, if we run into the back of the 88, like if he blocks us good, you run into the back of us. The two runs into the back of him, and one of us is done. If not all, if not all, we are all done. And the guy that did the block drives off into the sunset, and he's like, "Oh, good block, good." You know what I mean? Like you just can't, you can't block some of these runs. And it was just a misjudge. I mean, they they didn't. Alex, whoever, they don't want to cause that wreck. You know they're racing for the they are racing for the end of the stage as well. They're in a points battle. They're trying to maximize their points day, and that's just a product of this racing. There's a lot of moving parts at one time, and it only takes one little thing to to disrupt all that and cause a big wreck. So um, I blame Chevrolet because Alex was by himself. Where were his thirteen buddies at? <laughs> I'm being sarcastic, obviously. Clearly. <laughs> Yeah, but it, I'm, I'm spot off because those. I mean, if he'd had his 13 friends in line, you wouldn't have been able to hit him. When this happens, the fans lose. Yeah. So I don't. I don't like to see it, but um, it's part of it. And you know, some of the fans go there because this happens. This is what they go to. I hate to say it, but this is they go for the big one. 
you go there because there's a possibility of a big wreck. You, you, you want to, you, I hate it, but people want to go there and see it. And, and if it happens. Well, when you listen to our audio, and I can't say every spotter, but when you listen to guys that are used to leading these kind of races, you'll hear us saying, don't get out there too far. Hey, you're getting out there too far. And that, I think, is what happened today. He was out there too far. The run was too big. He made the block. Uh, I talked to Kevin Hamlin. He was assisting him in making the blocks. Kind of our job, as long as we think it's not going to get us wrecked, right? And it just didn't work. It's part of the part of the, uh, the just the product, just plate racing. Yeah, and I, I hate the fact that Kevin's taken the blame for it because uh, look, there's there's so many moving things at one time. You're going 200 and whatever mile an hour. Yeah, I mean things close up fast, and this is just part the of runs yesterday were definitely happening happening quickly. It was it there's made, more. Made it fun. There's more unblockable runs now than there was a year and a half ago. I agree. I agree. The, when we won the spring race last year, we probably could have – I knew exactly where to put Joey to stop every run almost yep. that came yep. to us. I knew, him. I knew where to put him to stop all that. Now it's like, oh, there's one I'm clear. Two of them, uh, this, we're not going to be able to block these guys. Just yep. be ready to slow them down. Be defensive if you can. Yeah. Next one, Chevy teams meet during the rain delay to discuss the drafting strategy, and Jim Campbell reportedly wanted one single-file line of Chevys. Brett, spot on, spot off. Uh, spot on, man. It's a great PR move, right? I mean, he, he called a meeting, and I think he got a lot of press out of it. And, um, you know, I, I, I never really saw this this plan prevail. I think this is a great plan for pit windows, getting on and off pit road, uh, at the end of the day, man, uh, we've all got a lot on the line, and I don't care if it's a Chevy, Toyota, Ford, or who's with me, as long as somebody's with me. And uh, here's the thing, man. Here's the funnel, right? We don't race without OEMs. You know, our, our OEMs are extremely important to us putting a product on the track. Chevrolet, Toyota, Ford, they bring a lot to the table for these race teams. But when you break it down, they're not all A teams, okay? Chevrolet has Hendrick. They have Ganassi. Childers. They have RCR. And then these other Chevrolet teams are making all these demands out of, what are they really doing for them? Giving them sheet metal? Because they're not giving them wind tunnel time. They're not doing all the, all the other things they're doing for these A-level teams. Same for Toyota, right? Toyota's got its big team, which is Gibbs. There's really isn't another Toyota team. You know, Ford has Stuart Haas, Penske, and then Roush. You know, I mean, that's kind of the, the the Penske, Stuart Haas is probably their A team. Roush is B plus after that. Like, so, so, but OEMs are extremely important. Well, then you have the organization, Penske, Stuart Haas, Hendrick, whoever that is. Then within that, you have the team, the 14 team. Then within that, you have the driver, Clint Boyer. At the end of the day, when this thing is coming down to the end of stages and the end of the race, the only people that wants to win are is every single driver. If you think Bubba Wallace is going to stay in line to push Alex Bowman to win a race, he's not going to. That's why he's made it to the Cup Series because he wants to win the race. So you can't micromanage these races. And yeah. That's what I feel like. The that's, I think that was the anti PR well, feel for me was you can't. This yeah. guy can't. Jim Campbell can't tell us how this is going to play out. If he's so smart, he'd have told us who was going to win the race before the race started. Well, I think they <laughs> probably. I mean, they were trying. <laughs> But you know, like you said, you you can't like it looked looks good on paper, looks really good on paper. Hey, you guys all line up, you know, nine, eighty eight, twenty four, forty eight. Then you know, three, eight. You guys all line up. <laughs> Nobody, you guys all just stay right with each other. They'll never beat us like that. Well, the problem is, is you get lined up there and you're running the middle, bottom, whatever. The other lane starts moving. Those cars pull you apart. Yeah. And then you start you start gap getting gaps, and then that lane moves, and then everything gets shuffled. As soon as somebody puts somebody three wide, one of them cars is out of line, and it, it this this package has evolved enough now that I don't know if those cars obviously had the Hendrick cars were obviously the straight pure speed, great by themselves. Um, but man, you, the race started, man, it, it wasn't you, you couldn't you couldn't do what was happening before. It's great to have team there, and I think teamwork now is greater than it's ever been. Um, but still, man, it's 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 a battle, man, and it's it's evolved enough that it's it's super racy now. And guys that don't have a lot on the line that are, or a guy like Stenhouse yeah. racing for a job, more than likely somewhere, right, no, for sure. And he showed it. Yeah, he was proven. He's out there like, look, I'm racing for a job. But he was also, I will say, he was great help. He was very, um, he was a great help. Uh, in that race, for us at least. Too. I never once looked for Stuart Haas racing teammates in that race, and it's because I was never really around them. I literally looked at Penske 
as the guys that I wanted to have around me because they were the yeah. guys that wanted to be up front, that were racing aggressively. I was with the two and the 22 pretty much all day until I had the, the tire go down. I was calling Stuart Hoskins teammates. So that pull your teammates. Pull, I, was, I was using them as teammates. Yeah. If you, like, it was like, well, there's a loyalty there. You know? Yeah. And it, but it goes back to Dale Jr., Michael Waltrip. Those guys won a lot of races together because they stayed loyal to one another. Because what happens is you're going to get screwed in the draft. But if you have somebody that's willing to pick you up, it unscrews you really fast. Yeah. That's what's happening with these alliances. Or when somebody makes a move on you to hang you, you know what I mean? Like you're, a guy makes a move on you, you got your guy right there. Here yep. he comes. And that's what Del Jr. and Michael did. They were yeah. the first ones to really do this and perfect it, and they won a lot of plate races during that era being very loyal to one another, which was really being loyal to their team. Yep. They started it. Brett, you tweeted that all the Chevy spotters were standing next to each other on the roof. So I landed and uh, had already heard, you know, comments that there were spotters that had been there that taped their place off, right? So I was like, well, I guess we'll go look. And, and typically this doesn't matter, Jason, because we already kind of know where we stand. But this is a plate race. It's extremely it's important a new stand too. where we're going to go, right? And because it's a brand new stand, nobody knows where they're going to stand at. I've stood beside Joey Meyer at plate races, Daytona and Talladega, for as long as I can remember. And he and I are no longer going to stand together because our stand is gone. It's a new stand. So I get there, and TJ had his little four spots taped off. Rocky Ryan, who spots for – who's he spot for? Front row. Gil, or, uh, Reagan. Reagan. David Reagan, who did a hell of a job yesterday. Rocky Ryan had taped off about 10 spots. And then Chevrolet had taped off 14 spots. So when I get to the racetrack, 27 or 28 spots out of 38 have already been reserved. And I'm like, what the f- – is this we're a bunch of grown men can't we get here and establish where we're going to be or why doesn't nascar step in and have a method which we used to you would qualify and then once you qualify based on where you qualified you got to pick where you stand well as it all kind of got figured out it was like you know what i'll just keep standing here and this was a long time ago Um, but when we get to a place like that everybody's looking for a competitive advantage but to have a motor coach driver and have whoever did it for chevrolet tape off all those spots like how childish is this to, to me i was just there like was, what what the f- what is this when you got to the rail and as soon as you got to the walk up the little walkway up to it <laughs> it was from there all the way to the right just marked off like chevrolet blocked half the roof yeah and then rocky had blocked half the chevrolet drivers that he's buddies with well they didn't need his spots it's just a, it to me it's just a childish mess and i just literally like just what the f- what it's going to be like that anytime we have a new spotter stand, which we don't have any coming anytime soon. So life goes on. Anyway, TJ, I want to get your thought on one more tweet. Uh, Todd mm. Gordon told SiriusXM Monday morning that the 22 team monitored some other teams' radios and heard Larson and Johnson being advised to avoid working with Joey Logano in the draft. Yeah, I mean, color me surprised. I mean, <laughs> who's is it like the? Todd Gordon, the one monitoring the channels to hear that stuff, or it's engineers. To, it's all yeah, kind of engineers. I mean, him. you're hurting yourself, though, man. I mean, if I'm a Chevrolet guy and I know that 22 is as fast as he is, and he's going to help me, me not helping him is only hurting me. Yeah, you know what? I, this is not the first time that I've been asked about this. To me, this is a um, a huge compliment. You know, thank you for uh, not wanting to help somebody that, like that. That just that's a that's a huge compliment that I uh, I'll take it as a compliment. No sense getting mad at it. I mean, I didn't expect help from them anyway. So, yeah. But if they don't, they don't want you up there. Be, there's a reason they don't want you up there. But you're right. There's two ways you can approach it. Do you do you push that guy out there because he's going to be there, and then maybe try to shuffle him, or just don't help him on your way there because he's probably going to find his he's way there. He's going to find his way back up there. He's going to find his way there. So you might as well ride the train while you can. Joey is too good in the draft, and his car is too fast to not find his way up there. Terrible approach. Yeah. Thank you for the compliment. Ross Chastain announced full-time to the Colleague Racing in 2020. Brett, I want to get your thoughts on that. We couldn't hear this a couple weeks, a week ago. I know, man. we got to get better sources around here. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously a very exciting time for Ross and Colleague. Colleague wanted to field a, a full-time car there. Matt Colleague made it known in, in Charlotte after he won the Roval that he expected to have Ross full-time in 2020. And for those guys to announce that today and make it official is great. Nutrinac Solutions is uh, staying on board with them. I saw for 23 races, races which is wonderful for majority. them, too. Man, majority you, of the yeah, season. Majority of the season. And when you see sponsor, new sponsors coming in, man, it's a, it's a big testament to how powerful our platforms are. But this is a redemption for me, for Ross. I mean, we saw him last year really get screwed at the 11th hour of the season, you know, literally going into 
2019. So he's got a chance to come, come coming to an organization where he's already won a race. Like that's got to give him some confidence. He's in the car this weekend at Kansas. I think you'll see those guys. He's going to definitely run Kansas, Texas, potentially Homestead if they can find some sponsorship there. Because as you well know, next year Homestead's very early in the season, right. and Atlanta's very early in the season. So running these mile and a half now kind of gets you a uh, jump started for next year. I mean, we can't test anymore. So these races now, because Ross is 2020 full time, it's a real race test for this race team. You know, it's uh, I'm spot on for a colleague because this is going to be this is their chance to to get a guy with a lot of experience in their stuff every week and fine tune it. Kind of I kind of hate it for Ross because he went from, you know, an A car, probably going to win a handful of races this year to no car to part-time um now he's kind of have to he's taking another step back but ross is not he's done this before he's he this is you know this has kind of been the ross's path that he's he's kind of he gets two steps forward or one step forward then two steps back but this is um you know i'm spot off for that he's got to step back again but ross is giving them a chance uh to grow with each other and maybe form something really good down the road so i'm spot on for both these guys doing that i just you know Ross is having it's good for Ross and bad for Ross because Ross probably has other opportunities. I don't know what they are, but um, I don't know. It's uh, to me, Ross is an overachiever. He's a guy you know that's going to give you a hundred percent, going to give you a chance to win. I mean, he's the one guy running all three series. Like. Yeah, he's nuts. He's crazy, right? Kids, he's harder to get a hold of than President Trump. I told him the other day when I was trying to text him about something. But when I when I look at Ross, he finished second in stage one at Daytona, the very first race he'd ever been with his team. He won stage two, the very first race he'd ever been with his team. He ended up finishing right outside of the top ten because of the way things played out. But he contended to win the season opener with a brand-new race team that he'd never worked with and then went back out and won the race in Daytona, led over half of it. So, to me, he's a guy that's making a good move for his career, and colleague is on the way up. So it's a perfect time to marry one another. Let's take a break and see what's coming up this week on the Dale Jr. Download. The Dillner Dillner Download. The Dale Jr. Download. Listen up. When you're done listening to Door Bumper Clear, go listen and subscribe to my podcast, The Dale Jr. Download. This week, he was a heck of a race car driver, and now he has to put up with me in the booth. Jeff Burton joins us, plus catch us on TV every week. This week, Friday, on NBC Sports Network. The Dale Jr. Download, available on major podcast platforms. If you want to win authentic and affordable memorabilia, then we've got the website for you. Check out pristineauction.com. It's an online auction site with tons and tons of autographs. Yeah, there's so many different auctions to participate in. They have daily auctions with bids starting at just $1 and ending nightly, and even a 10-minute auction where you can quickly win great stuff. The coolest thing is they guarantee authenticity of all these items, and these items are much more affordable than you might think. Yeah, so check out some of these previous NASCAR items uh, that went for low prices. Race winner Ryan Blaney had a signed photo go for just five twenty-five. I bet his spotter Josh Williams probably bought it. Don't you think? Uh, maybe. That'd probably be the only way he'd get Ryan's autograph. Maybe. Now that he's won, though... Goes up. Goes up, man. Now we can buy Josh Williams' autograph for $5.25, Maybe. Cent, I bet. Yeah. Uh, a piece of the track at Indianapolis Motor Speedway in a display case went for just $28.35. There's a couple tracks that I got ideas of things we could do with them to sell them off to. We go in there with a, some dynamite and blow up yeah. some sections of the track and sell it off. Yeah, I, I agree. There's a quick and uh, free to register, free to bid, and you only pay when you win. As a door barber clear listener, enter the registration code CLEAR, C L E A R. This is on the registration page. This is very important. Yes, the very first box of the registration page. Registration page. I barely messed that up. But uh, as a New Year's, you'll get an immediate $5 auction credit to spend so they know you're listening to Door Bumper Clear. If you love the show, go check them out, pristineauction.com, P-R-I-S-T-I-N-E, auction.com. Don't forget the registration code CLEAR for a free $5 auction credit. Check back each week to see what we've been on next. Let's go in the fast lane. Three racing questions. One off-the-wall question. 30 seconds to respond to each. Only 30 seconds. How are you going to stop from talking? Good luck. Fast lane. First question. Clint Boyer and Joey Logano were among the drivers to hook up in tandem draft on Monday. Do you think tandem drafting could make a comeback in the Cup Series? TJ. Uh, man, I definitely think guys took notice, but I know when we go back to Daytona, Daytona's a more of a handling track. 
than Talladega is, so I believe it'll be harder there. And I think it's also going to matter what type of car you're in because it seems to be a little, it seems to be car sensitive with ridges and where the ridges are on the cars. So uh, that could play into a factor as well. I'm just very thankful NASCAR hasn't uh, interjected themselves into this process in the Cup Series and doesn't say locking bumpers is illegal. What I saw for us yesterday being the 14 car. It, look, everybody can get tandem on restarts because you're all coming up to speed. But when I, what I saw for us is we could be at full speed, get tandem with a car in front of us, really be able to make moves. What that does is it pulls the line behind us. It pushes the car in front of us. It makes the package more racy. So I hope NASCAR leaves this rule alone. Do I see it making a comeback to the point that we used to have it? Absolutely not. But I do see it as something that you could see happen for a couple, three laps at the time in an ideal world. Yeah, for sure. Um, it worked well. I mean, it worked well. It was I, I, you couldn't you could get about five, seven car lengths in front of the group. Um, the problem is, is when you come apart. Here they come. Here they come. So <laughs> I, I mean, I think it's great the way it is right now. I don't I don't want to get back to having to tandem the whole time, but I think it's cool that two cars can actually get locked up and get up to the lead, but not drive all the way away because I like the fact that if something happens and you do, it's a risk versus reward thing. There, you know, if you do it. It's going to get iffy here in a little bit, but I thought it was cool that it could happen. Alex Bowman said because of what Dale Jr. called the giant-ass spoilers, it's hard to even look through the clear Lexan because the cars shake so much. How much should drivers rely on their mirror versus listen to their spotter when making tight moves and blocking runs? Brett. Man, if you don't have a spotter you can trust, you're not going to be a good plate racer. And, and I hate to say that in, in, a, in a way that makes TJ and I sound more important than maybe what we are. But, you know, Freddie said that Bubba said he couldn't even see anything behind him except for the color of the roof of the car. So he had no idea who was behind him. So I think in that situation, you really need a spotter you can trust. You obviously need a spotter that knows what they're doing. Uh, you, you have to have that to get to the front, and you certainly have to have it once you get to the front to stay in the front. Yeah, I think um, you know it's still a, still a huge part of uh, what these drivers are looking for. If you got somebody that can give a lot of info, um, <clears throat> Joey Joey will go through everything before the race. He tells me where exactly he can see out of the mirrors and where he wants more info. And um, even after we we were had some damage, he could he changed his visibility some. So I was having to give him gaps off the side of the car more because he couldn't see it as good. So uh, you definitely you definitely want to have somebody that can give you a lot of um, a lot of info, very accurate, very quick. I, I look at guys like Eddie DeHaan, Chase Elliott, Josh Williams, and Ryan Blaney, and they've now been working with their guys for three or four years, and you've slowly seen that. Look, anybody can win a restricted play race if it's their day. I mean, we've seen we've seen that happen. Derek Cope, Trevor Bain, whoever that may be. But to watch these guys consistently run up front, to consistently take the lead, contend to win stages and win races – it's because of that relationship. Kurt Busch showed up with Tony Raines. They'd never worked together. They won the Daytona 500. I don't recall them having a lot of other success. But when you see these younger guys building on that, even William Byron yesterday, you know, you see him running in the front more with Tab Boyd. Like, that's something that you just have to have that relationship. TJ, I'll tell you, you may get one lucky race, but if you're going to do it week in and week out at these plate tracks, you better have a damn good spotter. Yeah. Since we've seen Joey Logano get into Matt Kenseth before in the playoffs at Kansas Speedway, which driver below the cutoff line do you think would most likely get into the leader in order to win in advance? TJ. Oh, man. Uh, I mean, I could <laughs> really anybody if they're in that situation. I mean, your, your season's on the line, and I, I hope it doesn't come down to somebody you know, needing to wreck somebody to win, um, you know, but there, if you can, if you know of a way to move the guy and get position on him to win the race, I fully expect somebody to do it. When I look at seventh and eighth in points, which is kind of realistically the two guys that are most in jeopardy to fall out, if not realistically, the only two guys that are in jeopardy to fall out, they're not both going to fall out, but one of them could. And if he's going to fall out, it's going to be because he had a very early race problem because those cars are too fast. They're going to run too well in both stages and at the end of the race to lose 20 points to a guy like Alex Bowman. Um, so for me, looking at Bowman, Chase Elliott, Clint Boyer, William Byron, Man, I'm sorry. TJ and I have talked about it before. You do what you got to do to win these races, and I'm damn sure going to do what I got to do to get in a round of eight. 
off-the-wall question. The Philadelphia Flyers opened a rage room at its stadium where fans can pay $35 for a five-minute rage session, smashing things to take out their anger. Which pro sports team fans do you think could benefit most from having this at their stadium? Brett. I think it could have been Georgia on Saturday. Uh, I think they were pretty upset, man. Um, you know, I mean, week in, week out, I would have to say in history it would have been the Cleveland Browns or, or the Buffalo Bills. But, man, those two teams, are they got some hope. The Browns crapped the bed against Seahawks this week. They had a nice little lead going and blew it. But, man, I don't know. Buffalo probably would have been a good contender till recently, right, TJ? I don't I don't think the – Y'all are crazy as hell in the pregame. Yeah, but they don't get mad like that and fight people and do things like that. I think – I think the best team this is going to be for, you may well, you need to just go ahead and build it and get it ready, uh, is the Patriots for when Tom Brady retires. Because <laughs> when Tom Brady retires, you welcome to the bottom of the AFC East. Yeah. Ah, uh, no. I think they'll build up. They'll Dude, I don't up. think okay. they can be that bad. The AFC East is, I think you yeah. and I could build a team that could <laughs> compete in the AFC East. When it's Tom Brady, uh, these people don't realize, including this bozo behind us here, <laughs> hey. he doesn't realize how good Tom Brady really is. Oh, I think we can build back up. Okay. You know how many teams have been looking for franchise quarterbacks for 20 years? You don't just – this guy doesn't come along. He's special. He doesn't realize – We're going to get Trevor Lawrence. He, what? No, you're not. But the thing is, TJ, like, I think Tom Brady is 40 – what is he, 43? Yeah, he's old. Okay, look, I'm 44. I've got ailments all over my body. I, I got places I hurt I didn't even know I had on my body. I've had shoulder surgery. I broke my ass. But why I think Tom Brady is still so good at his age is because he's in a conference where they can't even hit him. They can't get to him because the conference stinks. I will say this. The only – it's not that. He's just that good. Every I've watched a lot of Bills games. Tom Brady has one of the quickest releases in oh, the he's NFL. the man. The ball is out but of his hand. He only plays hand. three hard games a year. Well, probably, yeah. Doesn't well, play many hard games. So he gets the ball out and like his his internal clock when he needs to get rid of the ball and he knows where he's going. He knows his first three reads and that ball's gone. gone. So and he don't sit there and wait like the rest of them do or make a bad decision. He's I think just, Jason. I think TJ wants a Tom Brady T-shirt. Yeah, I'll find nah, one on Christine Ox okay. for you. We'll find some kerosene too and some matches. <laughs> well, all right. Speaking of kerosene and matches, did you guys see the video from the Talladega infield of the fire that table was crazy. and the guy jumping on the table? Barstool Is that the Sports. guy that got off and was on fire. Yeah. Still? Barstool Sports tweeted that guy. Who Jumped into the fire table and he was on fire. What an idiot! Yeah. Is that what Talladega Infield's like? I've never been there. Yeah, it's not all that kind of stuff. It's called Talladega Boulevard within yeah. the infield. Well, they don't drink white claw in there, Jason. Oh, really? <laughs> they drink moonshine, brother. <laughs> yeah, you, you're not yeah. going to drink white. You claw. Build up your game before that one. Right, the, people, I mean, this is don't do that. Look, nah. I realize you're partying and having fun, but don't do that ever. Look, I mean, that's a lot of fire, and you can hurt yourself. Don't. Have injuries that last past the weekend. Yeah, serious injuries. I mean, have these racetracks are a great time to go and bring and hang out with your friends and get together with other race fans. You know, oh, you're a fan of Kyle White. Kyle, you know, it's just that's what it's about, man. It's because of that. And and uh, but don't don't get dumb. Like that's don't. <laughs> I think race fans are so honest. I mean, they and, are. And listen, I've been they going are. to races since I was four years old, and. We would set up our camp spot, man, with our food and our coolers and literally all your belongings, your stand-ups, your flags. Not one thing was ever locked up. You didn't lock your RV no. at night when you went to sleep. You didn't lock it up when you walked off to go see your buddies. Like, race yeah. fans are honest, good people. So That's my favorite part about one it. One thing I like about race fans is, too, is every week somebody comes up to you and says, hey, man, I love listening to your podcast. Or they tweet us and say, hey, spot 30 cooking chicken wings oh i got a tweet this last weekend some guy invited us out there to go have some of the best wings we could ever have and i mean that yeah to me that's cool man to have people just they're going and doing their own thing but they all you know it's just cool to have that we need to pick a weekend where we, we're not doing an xfinity car and go out there and go out there and yeah take a picture and but yeah, it's cool that people think to say like hey we're gonna cook at this time come get some barbecue come get some wings yeah. i mean yeah. that Race fans are awesome. They are awesome. Maybe Love Martinsville weekend. I can come up for that one, too. Take advantage of the wings that people are giving you. Man, you trying something free. You're in college and broke. I know how it is. See. All right. <laughs> Ask DBC. Ain't no law to call. 
<laughs> Too many people have been tweeting me that all week long. And I'm like, it's hilarious, man. It's good. What is OfferPad? We're the new way homes are sold. We're your online home buyer. OfferPad is the modern selling solution with a human touch that lets you skip all the traditional headaches. Selling to OfferPad means no showings, you pick your closing day, and we'll even move you locally for free. Go to OfferPad.com, enter basic information about your home, and the next day, we'll send you a great offer. It's free, and there's no obligation. We want to buy your home. So request your offer today. OfferPad. Move freely. Buying and selling your home can now be fun and profitable. It doesn't have to be a hassle. Go to OfferPad.com, and they make it easy to buy or sell a home. They have simplified the selling process, and all you need to do is go online and tell them about your home, and you'll receive an offer within 24 hours. Can you imagine being able to do something that only takes five minutes to sell something as big as a house? That's how easy they made it. Who doesn't have five minutes to go and check out OfferPad.com? Sell your home. Go get your dream home. Man, they're making it easy for you. So when you accept that modeling modeling offer in Florida, you can sell your you can have an offer on your home within twenty four hours. If they're hiring gap tooth, overweight, forty four year olds <laughs> with a bald spot, then I'm about to hit the damn modeling lottery, TJ, and I'm gonna yeah. go live on South Beach in a mansion right beside where Versace's is, and it's gonna be big. <laughs> well, you can join thousands of happy homeowners who have already sold to OfferPad and visit OfferPad.com today. Come see me at Joe Stone Crab in South Beach. Thanks to OfferPad.com. <laughs> All right, ask DBC, at C13UTH, who I actually met at Rover Weekend, he wants to know, thoughts on the notion that if you get her on, you have to do something with it or you're dropping 12 spots. TJ. Uh, I mean, you don't know what your loss is going to be most of the time. I mean, you, this thing is so fluid and there's so many pieces moving and it, it'd, be, it'd be almost impossible for me to sit here and tell you whether I think it's a good run or not to take. I'd have to see... I'd have to see what build up to it to create it, what, what's going on at the time, who's who's been helping who. There's so many things that that build up to this, um, whether it's a good run. But, I mean, a lot of times if, if you got a good run and you know it's going to get you 12 spots, that's a big jump right there. you got to almost take that. But, I mean, that's not the way it was this last weekend, though. You, you, you know, if you got 12 spots, you got 12 spots too. Yeah. It was more, okay, I'm not doing it unless I can take my buddies with me. Right. So, um, just different. I saw Matt in the 95 car have a huge run on the leader going into three and four, and he stayed right in line with him, and I was really surprised because I felt like that was a pivotal moment in the race where he could have potentially took the lead and really had a chance to go win it. Then I saw the 10 car going down the back stretch, getting into three on the very last lap as the, the, the 11 and six were catching them. I would have highly encouraged my driver to make that block and get that push because then you can blow by the leader, which was Blaney, and Blaney's not going to have a whole lot of help behind him. And for whatever reason, the 10 stayed in line there. So, I mean, look, we I'm out of the race. It's easy for me to watch the race and tell you what I would and wouldn't do. But the reality is if you make a move for the lead and you don't get help, you are screwed. Yeah, for sure. At NASCAR Shell asks, why were so many hood flaps getting stuck open and flying off in this race? I think there were at least three. Never seen that many in one race. Is it the spoiler aero package this year, Brett? So those those roof flaps are intended to deploy when the car is turned around backwards and is in turbulent air, and they're used to keep the car on the ground. So what's and they happening? do a good job. They do an amazing freaking yeah. job. Those things have been uh, a tremendous success on the innovation side of safety in the sport. Um, but what you're seeing there is just turbulent air, man. I mean, the, the air is skipping over the car and it's coming at it from a different angle because we're all running so close. And that's just, I mean, there's, there's not much, a whole lot you can do there. Yeah, and these cars have evolved. Um, the ones on the hood are, are supposed to come up to let air out from underneath the car so it doesn't pick the car up. So those are supposed to flap up and be gone, really, uh, if need be. Um, you know, that that's to keep air from trapping underneath the car. So then that's the reason why these things are so low in the back. That's why they're so low and like this, because when we used to spin out, Air used to get under the back of the car and pick the back of the car up and flip them. Now we get spun out, and the only time somebody really gets airborne is when they they're sliding sideways and they get hit again. Yeah, it's almost like that jolt kind of jerk kind of jolts the car up enough for air to get underneath it. But otherwise, NASCAR has done a, a really good job of keeping these things on the ground, barring 
you know, circumstances that you just can't control. You know, if they, I'm pretty confident if you spin out by yourself doing 200 any of these places right now, you're not going to flip over. Um, now, if you're spinning and wrecking and somebody hits you at an odd angle that they can't like predict. Like Brendan gone yesterday. Yeah, you can't predict that. Yep. So um, I think they've done a really good job of making these cars very safe. and on the, We don't see many flips anymore. No. We don't see many. Used to, every plate race we used to go to 15 years ago, you were ready. To, somebody was going to. Somebody's going to flip. Somebody's going to flip. So that was just part of it. I've had three drive. I've had three races where my guy flipped. Elliot twice, Clint once. I've had two, maybe, maybe. They're a long time maybe ago one. though. Like nothing yeah. recent. Yeah, nothing recent. R. Beinstein asks: The damage clock was put to the test at Talladega. Overall, how do you guys feel like the rule has helped or hurt teams? TJ's team was on the damage clock yesterday. Yeah, we used all of it too. Um, I think it's done good. You don't have. You don't have those cars that come out there and can, you know, it saves the team's money because they don't go back there and rebuild the whole car for two points, if that. Um, you know, I, everyone's on the same playing field with it. If you can't fix it in five minutes, I mean, it. They're probably it's probably, I like how it, I like how it's went. I mean, I think it's done good. You don't have these huge crash carts where you, you know, that everybody is restocking every week if you tore the nose off. Um, you know, I, I think it's, uh, and if it's, if it's a uh, what are they was it a mechanical problem like it's something like that, yeah, you can go fix it because it yep. wasn't a wreck. That that I think's fair. You're not rebuilding the whole car. You're changing a gear like we had to, or something like that, or a, um, you know, other than the motor. But um, I, I think this, I think it's been good. You don't have those cars beat all up out there. I mean, you have a few that like we were pretty beat up. We were actually okay still. Um, the guys did a great job getting the car back to where it was good. Um, but we don't have those cars that are just all rebuilt way off the pace you know possibly in the way i think that's the key is a they're not in the way but b they're also not a real high risk for a debris caution as you've got yeah. 10 to go and all of a sudden you've got a guy 40 laps down that something falls off his car off yeah and now you're throwing a caution for that and you screw the whole end of the race up because of that so i that's what i'm the most proud of with this particular with this particular rule is it keeps the beaters in the garage if you can't get out here and make minimum speed and, and do so in the in the five minutes or six minutes whatever it is yeah you probably don't need to be out there it wasn't your day all right best question wins that offer pad dbc t-shirt who gets it this week um, Probably that last one all right he did a good job i'll send some more questions next week we'll give everybody a t-shirt yeah. we, i got a bunch of t-shirts in my, gar- my garage yeah. and then keep sending some reviews in an apple podcast when you do include your twitter handle or your email or instagram and then we'll be able to contact you or you can tweet a screenshot of the review from apple podcast to me at hey jason schultz and i will see it and be able to read some off on upcoming episodes hey was that the guy that the some guy came up and said he was mad because he he's been trying to get a question in forever and you never pick him, Jason. I think he did. And then his question was something about whether um, Chris Rice was on the southern side or northern side of the Burton household or something random like that. But hmm. send in some creative, fun questions and we'll pick them. Anything to rant about? No, I don't have a rant, but I do have uh, something I think is huge for our industry that's happening this week. You know, on Friday, NASCAR is expected to finish its acquisition with ISC. And I think when you look at that, man, that is a gigantic step for the sport, for the industry, for the sanctioning body, um, for them to have full control of all the properties that, that ISC own. And a lot of those properties, I mean, they probably make up half of our schedule. So when you look at the culture of the tracks and the culture of the sanctioning body should now become one because you'll, hey, look, it's going to take some time. But when you've got a guy like Steve Phelps, who is at the top of the NASCAR pecking order, and now he'll be at the top of the racetrack pecking order as well, I could see a lot of centralized efforts happening from, from a marketing perspective and a media perspective to really benefit these tracks, uh, to see a lot of consistency across a lot of markets. I'm a marketer. I enjoy marketing. I think that this is going to be a great move for the sport, and I think the fact that NASCAR is taking this on is 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 wonderful for us. And I think it's going to happen on Friday, which means ISC will come off the stock exchange, and then next week they'll be a privately owned company, 100%. DVC Picks has concluded, and for the fourth straight year, Brett has taken TJ home the championship. Well, I just gave you that championship, and I took the other one. I took the real one. <laughs> That's four in a row, man. Every year. We got to come up with a new game next year. 
maybe a little bit a little more competitive. You still want to pick guys for the last five or so races? or I mean, I don't care. I'll take Larson. You think Larson wins Kansas? I think it's a track where he can excel at. Um, yeah, he's uh, obviously already locked into the next round, can take some chances, can be aggressive with the setup, with aggressive with pit strategy. Um, I feel I like think, he was caged up this last week a little bit. Now he's ready to go again. Yeah, yeah. Truex will be tough, too. They've been on, I think they're going to set the world on fire here. So we'll see. Maybe Clint Boyer's a home track for him. We, in my opinion, we have to win. You know, if we don't, if we oh. don't win, we're we're screwed. Yeah. You, how many points are you out? Twenty. Well, the problem is you got to pass three people, and you're twenty plus points out. And again, you you're are, too fast. If you don't have a problem, nobody's you're catching 24 you. Twenty-four points back. So without an issue on Brad or us, then yeah, got to yeah, win. It's gonna, you're gonna have to win. Did you see without Blaney winning, the points would have been. Four, minus Five. four, minus six, yeah. minus seven. I had a real nine. good yeah. chance, and it's even more fun to look up there. And it, see, you guys talk about alliances. Like my teammate Eric Amarola is who pushed Ryan Blaney across the line. And if if Ryan Blaney doesn't win, like you said, I've got a legitimate chance to be able to go in and take that last spot. So yeah, you know, Blaney would have been in a must win situation then. I think wouldn't he? If he finished second, he'd have been he'd have been right there, and with you know he would have been seven been out tight. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, where would we have been? You would have been plus twenty two and oh, seventh. Yeah. Seventh. That'd be good. Yeah. So it's crazy, man. So I'd rather be Kansas there. Kansas is a great racetrack. It's a great area, great market. Downtown's fun. You know, the racetrack has got tons of restaurants and hotels and I love going there, man. We gotta go. Leah looks really mad. Let's kick it. We're off to Kansas. Go see Dorothy Toto, click our heels and hopefully not see a tornado. Is Clint's dad gonna be there? Oh sure. Oh, Pops. Can't He's a mascot for that track. <laughs> <laughs> Lug nut. He come flying up to me in the middle of the race. I don't know what suite he was in or where he was, but he was telling me what we got to do, what we got to do. And I was like, Pops, take a deep breath, man. You're going to have a heart attack right now. I would have loved to. I said, I already had to tell your boy out there to calm down. Now I got to tell you to calm down. Y'all get me all That's tore where he, up. Where he gets it from. Yeah. Anyway, cancel will be fun. We'll talk to you guys next week. Yep. Thanks for listening. Leave us a review. Get a free T-shirt. Check Pre- it out. Appreciate all the tweets. See you guys. See ya. Holla. Check out Dirty Mo Media on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Dirty Mo.